Welcome back. Episode 6. What did everyone think of episode 5? We had some good feedback, didn't we? Yeah. And we did put out a warning that it was quite a sad episode. Yeah. Both stories, weren't they? Yeah. Oh, well. How's everyone's week been? Ours has been alright, hasn't it? A good end to the week. Yeah. We're actually child-free tonight. First time in how long? Friday night, we're child-free. So, we'd already set up that we were going to record Friday night, didn't we? Yeah. So we thought we'd get this done and then get on to our child-free night, which will probably consist of Coronation Street, Goggle Box. <gasps> it's Friday, Goggle Box. And a takeaway. Yep. And then some maybe murdery afterwards. Yeah. I don't know, I fancy some a bit... Co- We've watched a lot of murder stuff this week. Yeah. Murdering Little Town. Yeah. That did your That blew it, my mind. If anyone hasn't seen it, go watch it. Channel 5, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I'm watching Bosch at Minute on Amazon Prime. It's about a real cool LAPD homicide detective that's a bit messed up. Yeah. And he's after a serial killer. It's it's a bit of a slow burner, but it's all right. It's not to write home about, but it's... You don't give up on series very often, no. though, do you? And the guy who plays her, Harry Bosch, who was the main character, is really good. Um, something really funny... <laughs> I said to Carla yesterday, Carla, Fuck we off. need we need a new fishing chair because we've got a really comfy one and a really shitty chair. Right, but let's just clarify: every time we record these, I get the shitty chair. Yeah, <laughs> every time. And I said to Carla yesterday, we need a new uh, fishing chair because this one's this one's knackered. I've had it ages, and she's gone to sit down tonight. <laughs> And falling backwards on it. <laughs> Upside down. Like a turtle on its back. <laughs> Fuck off. And you didn't help me, you just fucking rolled over laughing. Yeah. Thanks for that. Oh. So, apart from that, uh, we've just been Costa. Costa Again. run, as usual. But we've just been driving about, listening to music, when we've got a few hours spare away from kids. Yeah, that we've done that a lot, with this lockdown? Not drove massively out of his way. Oh, no, but just like... Like in a five-mile distance. Yeah, but he's so just, just going out houses. Been out listening to music. Yeah, cheering us up with a Costa Ovs. Yeah. So um, whatever you need to get ready, get ready. Get your brew ready. Got my brew. Get your your drink ready. Your smoke ready. Whatever. Whatever you're having. Um, before we go on to my case, though, did you see this week? Obviously, you remember when I did Lisa Montgomery case. Yeah. And I was quite shocked about death penalty. Yeah. So I dug a bit, didn't I? And I took an interest. And I was really shocked to see that certain states allowed firing squad as a form of execution. So obviously I looked a bit into that, but it popped up on my news feed yesterday, I think, saying that on Wednesday, 3rd of March, 2021, South Carolina have now added firing squad. Yeah, I tagged you it in. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it blew my mind because I got looking. 
if you remember, I listened to that podcast and when he explained to me how they get the lethal injection, yeah. it blew my mind. Yeah. And that's why they've brought it in. Yeah. Because they've, they, they can't source it. And that's why I tagged it in because you'd obviously told me all about it. Yeah, that, honestly, I've read a bit about it last two days. Yeah. Fucking firing squad. Um, Just a quick note, Lee Richardson does exist. Yeah, he's still part of our podcast. Um, We tried to do it over video calling oh, the, the sound one we weren't happy to put it out were we so? so we're waiting until we're out of lockdown and we can meet up although i do think it might be a bit of a squeeze with three of us oh it'll be fine on fishing chairs so we might have to try it in his dining room but See it, it does exist it does so he'll join us shortly won't he no doubt make his appearance and um, yeah. we were, we're looking forward to welcoming aren't we yeah. So, do you want to um, dive into my story? I'm first. I've got my trunks on. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, this week I came across this case on one of his many Facebook pages. And I'm going to tell you the story of a couple called Dean Lowe and Kirby Noden. So, an English couple. Right. And the crime was committed in January 2017. So, Recent. not. Recent. Yeah. So, I'll go into it. I'm going to give you backgrounds on them both and stuff. Dean Lowe and Kirsty Noden, she was known by Kirby to everyone else. Her right. real name was Kirsty, but she was known as Kirby. So they'd known each other all their lives, growing up together in Winsford in Cheshire. Dean had been fostered as a baby, something I think his parents had drug problems. Kirby's mum, Anita, were really close friends with Dean's dad. Now, as a kid dean apparently were really funny he had a really loud personality and he just loved making people laugh kirby were a bit younger than him and she adored him people said she followed him about like a little bit of a lost puppy Uh, but they spent a lot of time together dean had be around their home he'd actually call her mom anita sister so you know sort of like a blended extended family it was said that he liked to be sort of a protector of kirby and her sisters and cousins and stuff um from quite a early age but he was never violent, just like carefree. He'd stand up for him, but he was never violent. So when Kirby started to get a bit older, I think it was 14, they became a couple. Just a, you know, first sort of relationship. But as they grew a bit older, they just grew apart. Now, as they were getting older, Dean's behaviour started to get really strange. A girl called Rebecca Tilford who is Dean's cousin, she started to notice that he was just behaving really oddly. He'd never be, like, behaved like this. He was smashing windows, um, robbing cars, setting light to him. Just silly things. Been a little bastard. Yeah. But um, when he was 20, he ended up having to go live with his cousin, Rebecca. Um, after an argument with, like, a local family, uh, but he bit somebody's nose off. Nice. Um, within this argument. So after that... He just started breaking into cars, um, setting them on fire even more. And then Rebecca's sister had an abusive boyfriend. And one day he'd knocked her about quite a bit. Uh, so Dean went and stabbed him with a screwdriver. Right. So, so of course this behaviour is getting a bit worse. Um, a few years later, Dean's dad died. Kirby went to the funeral with her mum. So that's where her and Dean got chatting. Um, started going over old times and to be honest it weren't long before they were back in a relationship um, by this point they were both in the 20s and they decided that they were going to start fresh so they moved down to Torquay right. just for a little bit I'd love to go there well I've, I've been to Cornwall I've not actually been to Torquay but I've seen oh it looks beautiful I've never been you've not have you not been down south get a nosebleed 
we should do. We should take kids. Um, so, yeah, so the move to Tarkeen, it was supposed to be just like for a little bit, but really quickly they started to struggle with money um, and they both became homeless. So, just accepting the situation, they thought, you know what, we're going to use this to travel down coastal line. And they basically lived in a tent for six months, travelling down coast. But they always stayed in touch with her family, her mum, his cousins. Yeah. Even when they were homeless, they always stayed in touch. After about six months, they both started using drugs, smoking a bit of weed, ecstasy. How are you going to afford all this? Well... Dean actually started posting pictures, like, taking ease online and stuff like that, and pictures of them off the red. So Rebecca had spoke to Kirby and said, I'm a bit worried about what Dean's sort of posting on social media. And Kirby had admitted to her that he was using quite large amounts of heroin as well, and she was quite worried about him. So obviously Rebecca just said, "Try and please try and get some help. So they actually decided to go to a charity who were obviously for drug addicts. Right. And this were in 2010. They got clean. Dean really started to struggle. So he weren't clean very long. So he started turning to legalise. And by that, um, I mean cutting himself quite badly. So his blood pressure had dropping off to give him the same high feeling as he'd get off heroin. Right. He'd also stopped all contact at this point back home. So he stopped contacting... With his family. Yep, everybody. <laughs> Then Rebecca started getting worrying messages from him and he started posting really graphic shit online. All his self-harm. She was concerned. She kept trying to get Kirby to get him some sort of help, but obviously he didn't. One minute, he sort of seemed completely normal. He was really happy posting about how he loved playing his guitar on the beach and that what best thing they'd ever done. But then next minute, he'd be posting pictures of self-inflicted wounds, um, captioning them really strangely and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but then in 2013, Kirby and Dean got married. Little ceremony on the beach. Kirby were over at Moon. She basically were telling Rebecca that she'd married love of her life. He was a soulmate. Madly in love with him. Despite all these drug problems, it said that she really adored him. Right. So... Not long after that, Dean sent Rebecca a video which she described as being disturbing and it sort of ended where blood splattered across the camera. That's all I could find out. It doesn't say much. So, Dean sent that to who? Rebecca. And she's? His cousin. Right. They don't, they live up in Cheshire. Yeah. They're obviously in Cornwall. Yeah. Yeah, so he sent her this video and by this point, she said it was fair to say that Dean was just having complete up and downs. He'd post pictures of carvings and knives that he'd used on his arms. In When I talked about the illegal eyes, it, it's actually called bloodletting. So that's when your blood pressure drops, you get the high. And obviously it's legal. Sounds awful. Yeah, I can't imagine, but people do. He then shared another picture where his wound, like his leg, well, you can see these pictures, by the way. Um, his leg was really deeply cut open. And all it said is... You can see me muscle, lols. So you can imagine he, he obviously was not mentally well, no. in my opinion. So then by 2016, it became really, really bad, the sort of stuff he was posting. Even to the fact, like, this, I find this strange. He put a poster for everybody to see of him in Kirby's un underwear. Right. With it cut. Like, it, it's just, when you see it, it's bizarre. Right. Um, I don't understand why that had ever what would have gone through his head but by this point anyway he'd become really controlling and he had um stopped he wouldn't let kirby have a phone couldn't contact the family stuff like that 
Uh, by this point, they'd had two children together, <clears throat> but it weren't long before they were taken into care. With their lifestyle, it was pretty chaotic, as yeah. you can imagine. Yeah. And it's said that Kirby just tried her best to keep the relationship on track, but with Dean and his drugs, it was really hard. Kirby's mum also said that she tried her best to keep in contact with her, but Dean would just block everybody. And, you know... I'd, I'd, have, to go, I'd have to go find my daughter. Yeah, you'd... So anyway, you're in, a, you're in a nightmare position as a yeah, parent. Yeah, you are. You can see it, can't you? Yeah. But don't forget as well, this girl. She she genuinely like loved this man with everything. Yeah. yeah, I believe she did. So anyway, eventually they managed to get a little flat. It were in a lovely little village near Mounts Bay, and Kirsty were hoping this was going to be a fresh start. They could, you know, try and get off the drugs. Kirsty uh, Kirby soon became quite well known around village it were only a little village but everyone always described her as really happy and generous what did they do for work none of them worked right anyway so in january 2017 a neighbor had reported them because one thing they both did love were the dogs so this neighbor had reported them because of the dog mess that they kept leaving in this shared communal garden garden where they lived um, so a bit of an argument broke out please came when they come dean answered door and he stepped out and he closed the door behind him, but the police just assumed he didn't want the dogs to get out. Dean just explained, I've been and picked it up. It was just a silly argument. So off they went, basically, that were it. Didn't think anything of it. 11th of January, it's said that that is the last ever sighting of Kirby. Right. Now, don't forget, she had no contact with her family. So the fact that they'd not heard from her didn't alarm them. Well, out of order. No, because they were used to Dean allowing contact then cutting it off manipulating yeah so it's not actually known what truly happened to kirby but this is what the police have pieced together from statements of and things they've found so it's said that dean attacked kirby in the bedroom using a rock he basically beat her smashing it against her head that hard that it broke into five parts he then used a metal pole that had three screws like protruding out of it right. to finish her off is what it said blood obviously you can imagine with a pole with the screws yeah it's splattered absolutely all over and the walls the mattress everything dean actually thought it were all right to just flip mattress over and continue to sleep on it didn't try and get rid of it Hell. yeah that's just a little bit of info for you there as well he got rid of the bits of rock by just dropping them in random parts at flat so didn't actually take them out of the flat. And he also left the metal pole stood up in the corner. He then decided to cut Kirby's clothes off, put them into drawers, out of way, right. in the flat, before cutting her up, basically taking all her organs out. Cutting her up with what? Anything in the flat, right. knives. Um, he basically took all her organs out, flushed them down the toilet. Oh my God, that's disgusting. He then used a rucksack to basically transport body parts bit by bits. Out at flat. Out at flat over a few, well, over a period of time. Yeah. On 13th of January, he tried to use a bank card, but he didn't actually know pin number. And then over the following months, he used it online to buy just random shit. He could use contactless as well. Right. But by this point, his social media went even worse. He sent, remember his cousin Rebecca? Yeah. He sent her... Uh, messages basically telling her that he was fucked up and that he's waiting for his judgment day. She didn't really think much of it because obviously it had been quite bizarre before. 
she just thought he'd gone through a bit of a good period and then gone downhill again. Maybe stopped drugs for a little bit. It seemed all downhill to me. Mm. So they didn't think much of it, you know, given his strange behaviour before. But, like many people, can't hold their own water and they end up spilling the guts at some point or another. So on in May, four months after he'd initially killed Kirby, he started messaging his cousin again with details saying things like he had a blackout um, and that he cut her up. I put a body in bin down road. And this is four months after? This is four months after. No one had noticed she'd disappeared. No one's reported her missing? No. Um, also, I'm getting set up by her and, uh, and the body I caught up was fake. She ain't even dead. So, obviously, his cousin at this point's thinking, what the fuck is he on about? Shouldn't they have been thinking that a few uh, months ago? But anyway. So he then sent a message saying, facts are there were a body looking like Kirby on my floor for days. I flushed blood and guts down toilet and got rid of a body in bin dark road. So by this point, you know, they're a bit concerned. He then sends a picture of his wall in the flat that he's not even cleaned with blood. The blood splatter. Yeah. So this is four months after as well, don't forget. Wow, and he's, he's lived in that. Yeah, he's living in it. He's sleeping on that mattress. So he's, he's got rid of body. Yeah, bit by bit. But not cleaned up all blood. And... No. Oh, he did do one thing. He actually cut a section of the carpet out where the blood spilt, but that's it. Didn't re-carpet it? No. Just a random square <laughs> in the middle of carpet. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not making this shit up. Fuck it now. So obviously by this point, she decides that I'm going to get in touch with Kirby's mum see if she's heard from her and when she says no she explains these messages so they decide to go to the police so on 18th of may a police officer turned up to the flat uh, the found dean who straight away admitted that kirby were dead but he weren't sure how it happened is what he said he invited this police officer in but straight away when he looked around and he noticed the blood on the walls and and what have you he thought i'm not safe here this copper yeah so he requested backup fucking quick <laughs> yeah um, so while they were waiting for this backup, Dean showed this officer a necklace he'd made using Kirby's teeth. And he told the copper it were Kirby's yeah. teeth? Yeah. So this murderer has just invited you into his home. Come and look what... Come and see Evidence. what I've done. Like a scummy bastard that he is. And now he's bragging about his... He's wearing a teeth round his neck. Round his own neck? Yeah. So, shall I continue? He did say, I don't know why it took you so long to get here. I've been waiting. (laughs) Cheeky bastard. So anyway, you obviously were arrested and taken to custody. And when he were interviewed, again, admitted to killing Kirby, admitted about beating her to death, cutting her body up, getting rid of it, um, using other people's wheelie bins on streets, bit by bit, just placing her in it. But then all of a sudden, he completely changed his story. After admitting everything he'd admitted, just really randomly, he changed his story. And he tells them that she is still alive and she's living with a lover and this is all a big setup. Right. He said that Kirby and her lover kept drugging him, that they even got two men to rape him. They kept coming back to the flat, plying him with more drugs and tormenting him. Um, apparently it was Kirby that smashed the rock on the floor and said... This rock is your heart that I've just shattered. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> right. So the police soon established that Kirby hadn't been seen since that January 11th. And you're chatting shit, mate. <laughs> they couldn't find any evidence of a lover. 
at all. He then went on to say that they'd find her in South Africa, but she didn't even own a passport, right? She could have got a fake one. Maybe. So when they asked him about blood on walls, he said that she did it. She sprayed it all over to set me up. What, her own blood? Her own blood. So he was then remanded to prison. Whilst he was awaiting his trial, he claimed that Kirby had actually contacted him and rang him whilst inside. Apparently another inmate come running up to him, handed him a mobile and on other line, it was Kirby. And she was laughing at him and she said, ha, you've got life in prison now and I'm living my new life. Fuck, I don't know. So anyway, at trial, Dean pleaded not guilty. Right. Of course he did. Saying he didn't kill her. Has he had a psych assessment? I can't find anything that suggests they've put him through psychiatric assessment. Okay. Well, if anyone listens to this and maybe wants to try and dig even yeah, deeper... Yeah, please. ...and does find the answer, please let us know. Yeah, be interesting to... But I think he should... He must have been. Surely. He must have been. He's clearly got a very long history of being up and down. Yeah. Self-harm. His, his cousin should have all them rock, records of yeah. all this weird stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he, he decided to plead not guilty. He said that he didn't kill her and that she was setting him up. Um, in fact, his trial ended up getting pushed back by about three months because the police decided they had to investigate it a bit deeper and see if they could actually find any evidence. Because don't forget, they'd not actually found anybody either. No. So just the blood. Yeah, and he's changed his story. So they need stronger evidence. Yeah, um, but when it did eventually go to trial, it took three weeks for trial to end, and then when it finished, it took jurors ten hours to all come back and find him guilty. Um, he didn't actually go to that trial. He refused to leave his cell. Can you do that? Well, must have done. Must have done. So, a week later, he was then sentenced, and he was sentenced to life in prison with a maximum of 28 years. Right, so what, what evidence did they have, if they didn't have a body? It's obvious, well, I don't know. Mm. They must have had strong evidence. If well, to me, conviction. with everything that he has said, everything he said at first was the truth. So... If they've gone off that, and he's got, the evidence he's got will a, be... He's the got wi- a fucking teeth round his neck. Yeah, the murder weapons are in that flat. Right, yeah, yeah. Don't forget. Yeah. So he ain't got rid of anything. He's literally just got rid of the body. Yeah, bit and, by bit. And lived... Within in, the state. In the crime scene. Yeah. For months. Yeah. So I'm assuming it had been pretty hard to find him not guilty. Because they've got a pretty good crime scene. Yeah. And, like they say... You know, you can't go under radar forever. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's my story. If anyone wants to dig a bit and let me know if you find out about any sort of psych reports, it'd be interesting to... I really enjoyed that, though, God. It was different. Yeah. It was just way he described flushing a guts down the toilet. It was awful, yeah. But it, I found it quite different. It was... It's to say he's <clears throat> manic and uh, goes through his episodes, he was quite competent enough to get rid of that body. Oh, he knew what he had to do. Piece by piece. Yeah, yeah. He knew what he had to do. There were no mania when he was getting rid of body. No, he was in sound to, state of mind, yeah. wasn't he? To cut up a body. I can't even imagine. 
where you'd begin. You don't need to imagine because well, hopefully it's never going to happen. It won't happen. <laughs> God. Unless I should be worried. Well, we have said many a times, one of us goes missing, at least as mates know, yeah. that both of us are quite knowledgeable <laughs> in how to hide evidence. So we'll get straight into mine. Come on then. This lady. Oh. Well, I wouldn't say fucking lady. <laughs> this... Piece of shit. ...person. Catherine Knight was the first female in Australia to receive a life sentence without parole. Oh, what has she done? She was born on October 24th, 1955, in Tenterfield, Australia. She is a non-identical twin. Okay. A mother called Barbara, father were called Ken. It were alleged that she was the product of what started as an affair. Right. Okay. Ken was a slaughterman in the local abattoirs, considered really good at his job. It were a strict household. Uh, there were six kids, including Catherine. After moving about, they settled in Aberdeen, New South Wales. I always worry when a story contains someone that works in an abattoir, Philip. <laughs> you just know where this shit's going. Go on. A lot of local people worked at the abattoir. <laughs> Young Kathy Knight had a temper. She was teased by boys on bus. She was no pushover. She had no problem scrapping with lads. Okay. It was possible she inherited a uh, inherited her mother's fiery temper and foul language. A bit like you, Carla. Shut up, Philly. <laughs> it were alleged uh, that Ken, a father, were a violent alky who raped her mother multiple times a day. Nice. And Kathy claimed she was sexually assaulted by several family members until the age of 11. So not a very good child. No, not at all. Kathy uh, achieved bare minimum at school and she left at age 15. There was only one thing she wanted to do and that was following her father's footsteps. A working abattoir. Working in an abattoir. Of course. Um, she was 16 years old when she eventually got a job. She started as a general labourer doing clean-up. Yeah. All, all shit jobs, basically. Yeah. But then she moved up to be a slicer. She, that comes in handy, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> she loved the job. She was very efficient and precise with her knives. She took pride in them. Ah, I fucking bet she did. Kept him in mint condition. Um, as she got older, she was described as normal, out of gold. But that dark side and that temper. Yeah. And that foul language. A bit feisty. And she could be vindictive. Oh, God. 1973. So, Kathy meets her first husband, David Keller. A raging alky who were prone to drunken fistfights and Kathy would even join in the fistfights. Oh. Sounds like you, Carla. Shut up, Philip. <laughs> I've grown up. 1974. She convinced David to marry her. He were drunk the entire time on the wedding. Okay. Because he's a raging alky. Yeah. On the wedding night, <clears throat> they consummated the marriage three times. Easy, Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so, the fourth time Kathy wanted sex, he fell asleep. So oh, she started. Piss her off. She started to strangle him. 
Fucking hell, that's a bit more than pissed off. She's 18 at the time. Oh no, she's going to be trouble. Despite this, the marriage started well. But Kathy's violent streak got worse after about a year and mood swings and stuff like that. Dave Kelly were unfaithful. Um, one night, he left his wife and two daughters and just left. After finding out about one of his affairs, Dave Keller left with another woman in 1976. So what Kathy did is she thought, I'm going to get back at him. Of course she did. So she placed a two-month-old baby on the train tracks. What? She placed a two-month-old baby on the train tracks and left the baby there. Luckily, someone saw it before the train came. Where? Whose baby? Her baby. To get back... At Dave Kellett, because he's run off with another woman. With, with another woman? Yeah. Wow. So, she was arrested, and she was taken to St. Elmo's Hospital, where she'd previously been. Right. They diagnosed her with postnatal depression. Okay. Previous encounters, people had reported that they'd seen her with a pram, and she was throwing pram about yeah. really aggressively. Um, she'd threatened to kill people with an axe, is reported. Uh, she re- released from hospital a few days later, 3rd of August 1976. Went to the house of one of her co-workers and asked for a lift to the doctors for one of her daughters. So, at this time, they've got two children. Yeah. When they get in the car, she pulls out a butcher's knife. Oh, my God. To a co-worker. Right. She slashed her on the cheek and she wanted this co-worker to drive her to Dave Kellett's mother's house. She later admitted that the plan... She's going to go kill her, won't she? ...was to confront Dave Kellett, because I'm assuming he'd moved near his mum with this other right. woman, kill his mother if she couldn't get to Dave Kellett and commit suicide. That's what she's later... I said that was the plan. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, this co-worker pulled in a nearby service station and somehow escaped. When the police arrive, Kathy mm-hmm. has got the co-worker's younger brother that came on the ride in the car with him and had a knife up to his throat. She was disarmed by police with brooms. I don't know why. What? But that's... <laughs> she was disarmed, disarmed by a sweeping brush. <laughs> she had a knife held to a boy's throat. I thought it were a bit odd. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay. So she was admitted to the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. Yeah, she clearly needs it. It alleged later on, she said, that what she wanted to do is, before Dave Kellett, left her mm-hmm. he got his car fixed okay and a mechanic obviously fixed his car she was going to kill that mechanic because he was the reason that her husband got away because mm. he fixed his car right she wants to kill her husband her husband's mother she wants to kill a lot of people yeah so she's diagnosed with personality disorder yeah and somehow dave kelly the regained communication and he returns home with his mother right to look after kathy okay so six days after this incident with the brooms, the sweeping brushes. Yeah, being disarmed. She gets released into the care of Dave Kellett and his mother. Mm-hmm. Barbara. I find that a bit strange. Why would they release her into care of them when she they know that she was going to go kill him? I think she later admitted that. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I'm going to say that'd be really bizarre. Yeah, that'd be fucked up. <laughs> Someone would definitely be for eye jump. <laughs> Someone's definitely fucked up there, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so Barbara, yeah. Kathy's mother, blames Dave Kellett for Kathy's breakdown. You left. You were shagging other women. Yeah. This is your fault. You've caused this. So Barbara attacks Dave, starts giving him a few punches and slaps. And Kathy gets out of the car as this is happening. She walks over to Barbara and floors her. Don't ever touch my husband again. Fuck off. 
So they get back together. They move to Queensland. Kathy gets another job in her abattoir as a meat slicer. She's even that proud of her knives. She mounts them above her bed, just in case she ever needs them. What, just through in the middle of the night? Yeah. Because that's normal behaviour. Like if you've got a cheese board? Well, just because me and you often like a cheese board late at night, Philip, don't mean I'm going to start stacking fucking knives at She time. might want to wake up at three in the morning and say, oh, I'll have a bit of cathedral city. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> On a fucking cracker. <laughs> So, relationship was still violent. She had an affair herself. She did him with frying pan a few times, poured petrol on his clothes, held a knife to his throat. Not a very good relationship. Not a very toxic relationship. She ended up putting him in hospital. Oh my God. He didn't press charges. No. Nope. This is okay. in 1983, but it ended the marriage. Right, so that were it between them. Kathy cleaned the house out, took the curtains, the light bulbs. <laughs> Everything. Proper petty shit. But David won't bother, he was just happy that she's she fucking go in. gone. Yeah. yeah. So Kathy moved back to Aberdeen. It's her parents' farm with Melissa and Natasha. These are her two daughters. Yeah. She returns back to local abattoir, back as a meat slicer. In 1985, she hurt her back. It didn't really get much better, so she ended up losing a job. Okay. That's really not going to help things. She'd been seeing uh, a man, a male. <laughs> Male. Called David Saunders three years on and off. And she did some fucked up shit to him as well. She killed his dog. What? She killed his dog. The fuck for? Just because? Because she's a fucking nutter. And he stayed with her after that? I'd I'd imagine she were quite fucking scary, to be honest. So, she ended up killing his dog. She slit his throat. She made loads of wild accusations at him, saying that he'd overdosed her. Can I just ask? She's clearly... She were diagnosed... With personality disorder? Yeah. Were there any sort of, like, continued support for that back then? Were it... Well, we're talking 1980. That's really. what I mean. So... So, like, what was stuff medicated back then? I don't know. I'd have, I'd, I wouldn't have been born. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a twinkle. <laughs> um, in 1988, she had a child with David Saunders. And in uh, 1989, she got a 15 grand compensation for hurting her back at work. Right. She paid most of her mortgage off. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, she had a restraining order on David Saunders, even though they were seeing each other three years on and off. But this <laughs> this doesn't happen more than just once. <laughs> um, she ended up stabbing him in the stomach with some scissors. Um, Dave Keller had sent Christmas presents home for his girls and she'd not give them to girls. Just out of pure, oh, yeah, cause he's the pure, dad of the two pure spite. Yeah. And then she starts seeing another bloke, man, male, called John Chillingworth. Again, on and off violence, and she had a son with him in 1991. Not long after, they got into physical fights, charged, and a restraining order. Right. Reoccurrence. I think on this one, he had a restraining order on her, but then they get back together. So it's pointless. And he doesn't drop the charges. So he still has a charge. And they go to court together. Fuck off. (laughs) Right, okay. So at this time, she's been unemployed for about eight years. Um, She has an argument with John Chillingworth. They split up. And she starts seeing another called John Price. So she's got a new job. She's seen a new bloke. She's got four kids to three different fathers. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing or no, like no. that. It's just for pure facts. 
so John Price has got three children, um, suffering from the loss of his mother. I think he, he likes to drink as well. It's kind of the same theme yeah, as before. True. Great at first. But to be fair, though, it's all, all she's known growing up, isn't it? Yeah, great at first, arguments. Um, he used to really do things to annoy her, which probably wasn't fucking hard, but he didn't help himself when he was calling her by his ex missus's name. What? Yeah. No, I don't think I'd be, be so tempted to wind her up. She threatened to kill him. As you do. He said, look, I want you out. Um, he worked at the local mine, did John Price, and she basically made his life hell. She phoned up where he worked and said that he'd been stealing stuff. <laughs> and he ended up getting sacked from the place he worked at. She's lovely. So, they have an argument, and as he's washing up, she stabs John Price in the left side of his chest. Right. He goes to hospital, obviously. Um, but it's not reported. She tries convincing a nephew to throw car battery acid in John Price's face. Why are they still together? So much toxic. It's not even... It's unreal. She were bragging, I'm going to kill Pricey. And for six years, this is on and off. He's got a restraining order on her. She's got a restraining order on him. Oh, how did the police not get fed up? Right. So we come to March 1st, 2000. Okay. John Price don't turn up for work. His workmates phone police. <coughs> so So obviously it weren't like him not to turn up for work. Yeah. Okay. Police go by his house. Yeah. And I'll let you listen to this next bit. That morning, two of the first officers on the scene were Officer Matthews. I was actually working at Musselbrook that day and received a phone call at the station from a workmate of Mr Price's and Officer Furlonger. I got the call from his boss, say that he hadn't come in and somebody had been out there and that you were still in the driveway and they couldn't raise anybody. But you know, not thinking the worst, we were just thinking, oh yeah, he's probably died one on or something. <laughs> he hasn't woken up. I knew Mr Price before. I knew that he was a hard worker and a reliable man, so it was a bit unusual for him not to turn up to work and not to make a phone call. I went up, knocked on the door, didn't get an answer, saw some blood on the door handle, looked for a little gap into the lounge room, which was dark, reasonably dark, and, and saw what looked like a bunched-up curtain hanging down. I couldn't raise anybody, so I decided to go and break into the place. Seeing as we had this complaint, walked around the side, there was some meat lying on the ground. Anyway, went round the back, broke in through the door. As we went in, I saw straight ahead what I, uh, what I thought was a curtain. There was something hanging, blocking my entry into the hallway of the house. I thought it looked like some type of blanket or some sort of covering that had been placed up on the archway. So I remember I used my left hand to push it aside and immediately I could feel coldness coming on my left arm. So I looked down and my left arm was just covered in blood. Initially, I thought I'd injured myself breaking through the back door. I couldn't understand why my arm was bleeding. I realised then it was a human pelt. It was a skin. Monster head. A full skin just hanging from the top door frame. I looked past it, 
sort of torso on the ground without a head, without any genitalia, and uh, my first reaction then was to turn around to Scotty and say, don't look, Scotty. Of course, that's the worst thing you can say. I look through... I could look through from there into the lounge room and I saw what appeared to be a human being or what was left. And so it was at that point that I realised what had happened. For something that I'd never seen before, I'd never experienced, I had an immediate idea of what had gone on. It was at that point I drew my service pistol. There was blood everywhere. A lot of blood out from the door into the kitchen area. Uh, there's a pot on the stove. I think I might have even said to Scotty, I'll give you one guess where the head is. On the table, there was a couple of plates that had meals prepared, vegetables and meat cooked, sitting there. Sergeant Furlonger was talking to me, saying it's going to be all right, we've got to keep going, we've got to finish this, we've got to do whatever it takes. He was talking to me and I was trying to hear if I could hear anybody else because sometimes a little bit under stress, you get that auditory exclusion and you're not hearing things. You're just focused on the threat. It was quite a frightening experience, but once you've stepped into that uh, situation, there's just no backing out. So we went to search the place and we went up the hallway we heard what appeared to be um, uh, someone snoring coming from one of the bedrooms. So we knew there was someone alive in the house. Looked in there and there she was lying on the bed. Tried to wake her. She was obviously drugged on something and couldn't wake her properly. She was very groggy. She wasn't responding, so we carried her outside and put her onto the back lawn. I wasn't sure if she had tried to kill herself with sleeping pills or whatever, but she certainly wasn't injured in any way. Wow. So what did you think about that? Fucking hell. That's just blown my mind. Could you imagine? What no. The coppers have seen. Oh my god. So, do you want to hear more? Obviously. So. Scene of crime investigator comes. You've got your pelt, John Price's skin hanging from a door, off a meat hook, blood absolutely everywhere. Bodies in the lounge, he's been decapitated. His genitalia have been cut off. He's been cut into his backside. The gluteus maximus. Yep. The ass. Um, and she cut that into five separate steaks, and cooked them in the oven. So she put. My God. So she laid out all table all yeah. nice. She put two on one plate, two on another. Yeah. And fifth bit went out for dog. That is what were outside. Yeah, she she threw it out for dog okay. to eat, and there were two places set, and on these places there's a little card with two people's names on. God. On. One is John's son. And one is John's daughter. Fuck off. Oh my God. How fucked up is that? She wanted to feed... His kids, his own body. Yeah. His own ass. John Price's head was in the pot. Obviously. <clears throat> Cooked meat, veg, gravy, the lot. Fucking hell. It said that she killed him with a knife in bed, stabbed him 37 times. He couldn't fight her off. She was too strong for him. 
I'm not being funny, but she knows what she's doing with a knife. Yeah. She dragged his body downstairs, hung him up on a meat hook. She basically skinned him, aren't she? And skinned him? Yeah. God, it puts chills through me. Cut up pieces to serve with potatoes, veg and gravy. Like we said. <laughs> she made a dish for herself, but she couldn't finish it. Did she actually eat some? She tried it, but she couldn't finish it, and they found it at the crime scene. Oh, my Jesus. She claimed that she had amnesia. She didn't know what was going on. She's got personality disorder, don't forget. But not the, <sighs> that's a whole different conversation. <clears throat> so, police are obviously saying this is premeditated, this is planned. She pleads not guilty. Okay. But then she changes it to guilty. <laughs> she just wanted to be a bit of a fucking smart ass. So, 15th of October 2001, the trial started. All evidence is heard. She's got no emotions through the trial whatsoever. No. But then when it comes to sentencing, she breaks down. Okay. So, she gets sentenced and she's the first woman in Australia sentenced to life without parole. Yeah. She's appealed. It's been rejected. On what grounds has she appealed? I've no idea. Fucking hell. Apparently she don't give a fuck about it. She's never given a reason for it. She's done it. I think it it were a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. There was so much build up so to much this. So build up, yeah. So many attacks. So much. So many fucking restraining orders. A fucking hell, yeah. And ultimately she, she got what she wanted, didn't she? Yeah. So. And that was to kill. Hopefully she's in prison, rotting. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, that's Catherine Knight. That's blown my fucking mind. <laughs> How I kept quiet through. Well, you sat opposite me. You can see my reaction. How I kept quiet listening yeah. to that. Unreal. I'm gonna have a look at that one. Well, I hope you've enjoyed episode six. Yeah, I hope it's been a good one. I've, oh, I've really enjoyed it. I'm just thinking. By the time this goes out on Sunday, hopefully everyone will have all uniforms ironed. Hung up, <laughs> kids in bed, they've had a bath, and they've thinking. Got the gym jams on. The ends in sight <laughs> because it'll be back to school. So I hope you're all looking forward to having a bit of time to yourselves for a change. We are. We definitely are. We've got a few plans, haven't we? Yeah. So we'll um, see, you, see next you next week. Have a good week. <laughs>